Good morning again, everybody. If I haven't met you, my name is Mitchell, and I'm the lead pastor here. As Maggie said, if you are brand new, which I see several new faces, just come say hi just for a few minutes after the service in our Next Steps area. We'd love to shake your hand and say thanks for coming, get to know who you are a little bit. Um, and then one other quick reminder, I, uh, um, we have a prayer room that is right up there through those windows, a little upper room prayer room. And uh, anyways, we are continuing to develop that, kind of take that to the next level. I reached out to a few of you guys here, about 20 of you guys. Uh, but if you didn't receive a message from me and you're interested in helping kind of take our prayer room experience to the next level of engagement, because we, we want to be a people that pray and seek the face of God. Jesus said that my house will be called a house of prayer. He was referencing a prophecy from Isaiah, and we take that seriously, and we'll be a people that really know Jesus. It's, it's awesome to come to church services and listen to a team worship, and people preach the message, like amazing messages. There are some amazing messages here. Anyway, so, uh, but what's even better than that is when you personally are connecting with God on a consistent basis and make that a normal part of your life, and so we create a space right up there, a big prayer room, uh, and so anyways, if you're interested in helping build that out, take that to the next level, then right after the service, there's going to be a quick little 20, 30-minute meeting, uh, and you're welcome to join if you want to. But here we go. Let's dive into the message. You guys ready? All right. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 24. We're going to be spending pretty much all of our time there this morning. Um, we just finished up last week a series called The Lord is Gracious. Everybody say, The Lord is Gracious. He is so gracious. Honestly, I was so, um, so pleased, so, so encouraged by that series and seeing what God was doing in us. So many of you guys throughout the last several weeks came forward to receive prayer. And I believe, I hope that we were really believing more and more that the Lord is so gracious to us. He is gracious in general, but we were talking about how he's gracious specifically in our most common struggles. You know, our sin, our stresses, our insecurities, our fears, our doubts. Uh, all these things, the Lord is so gracious to us, and he wants to minister to us and help us receive breakthrough. And uh, anyways, I just, I don't want us to ever leave, you know, one revelation or truth about God to go on to the next, but it is also really important to remember that I mean, the Lord is gracious, and that whole series really was us remembering who God was and allowing him to minister to us. But you know that the Christian walk following Jesus does not actually stop just there. It's not just we get revelation from God and he ministers to us. But Jesus said, what you have re freely received, he wants us to freely give away. And so what we're about to do this month and next month is kind of turn the page a little bit and just continue talking about a life of following Jesus, which is revelation of God. Oh, my gosh, you're so amazing. And Lord, come and minister to me. But also, whoa, what about all those people out there? And how can, Lord, you partner, how can I partner with you, Lord, to see other people reached and blessed as well? So we're starting a series um, this month. We're going to focus in on Matthew 24, and then next month we're going to focus on Matthew chapter 25. So over the next uh, six to eight weeks, if you want to be looking at those two chapters, that would be really good just to kind of let it renew your mind, wash over your mind. But this is actually a little bit of a detour of what I was already planning on uh, preaching on. Uh, usually I'll spend time beginning of each semester kind of thinking about the whole fall. And the reason I shifted directions a little bit was just as I've been seeking God, talking to him, as I've been hearing from other leaders in the body of Christ, there seems to be a moment in time where the Lord is highlighting these two chapters because he cares a lot about his people being prepared for things to come in the earth. How many of you guys like being prepared? 
Okay, let's say you go on a vacation. How many guys pack like a week ahead or maybe two or three days ahead of time? All right. How many guys are normal like me and pack last second? Okay. All right. Thank you for normal people. <laughs> but here's the deal. In regards to the things of God and the things happening in the earth and the work of God in the earth, we do not want to be last minute people. We do not want to be those scrambling at the end, hoping that we have everything that we need in our suitcases. No, we want to be faithful and diligent now to prepare for whatever is to come. So that is kind of the focus of these next uh, two series. So this month, we're going to talk about Matthew 24. Then next month, there's a little parable about ten virgins in Matthew 25. It says, five were wise, five were foolish, and the wise ones had, quote, enough oil in their lamp. And so what we're going to do next month is we're going to talk about what on earth does that mean? What could that parable mean? And how can we be a church and a people that are prepared with enough oil in our lamp uh, when the Lord comes? Amen? All right, so let's, uh, we're going to go to Matthew 24. And this whole series is taken from one little verse, Matthew 24, 14. The very end of that verse says this phrase, and this is the title of the series. It's this, and then the end will come. Everybody say the end. The end. The end. Now, nowadays, there is a lot of talk about what would be called the end times, especially in light of a lot of shaking going around the world lately. And, you know, there's temptations that we can have of when we hear the phrase end times or when we see crazy worldwide events happening there's a temptation to hyper-focus on, oh my goodness, this means this is the end. Oh my goodness, this thing is the end. Oh my goodness, that thing's the end. And when we do that, a lot of times the conclusions that we come with are not that sound or biblical. Here's a few examples. Okay, there's different extremes. There's the extremes of, okay, I'm hyper-focusing. This means this is the end of the world. Oh my goodness, apocalypse, what's going on? Okay, you would conclude that maybe it's a good idea to store up a bunch of food and gas, and definitely guns and ammos, and get land in the hills of Arkansas to make sure you're prepared for the end. That's one conclusion. Chose Arkansas on purpose. Here's another conclusion, maybe on the extreme end, almost because maybe you've heard of people that think that way or want to do that, or maybe you've seen one YouTube video, and you got to come with this conclusion, but almost as an extreme response to that, you go way over here, but you know what? You know what? This is not the end. Actually, Jesus didn't even really talk about the end of times. All this is kind of just, you know, it's analogy. It's metaphor. There's not really an end coming. It's really just going to get better and better on earth because of that scripture that says the best is yet to come. It's not a scripture. But anyways, uh, so, you know, we, and then you start to hear teachers that will emphasize that, even Bible teachers that will tell you, no, 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 no. Come on, it's just peace on earth is what we're going towards, and we don't need to worry about anything. Both of those, believe it or not, are actually responses of fear. I'm afraid of my own life being taken, so I'm going to protect myself. I'm afraid that the peace that I so long for on this earth will be disrupted. So let me just tell myself that these things that Jesus said aren't true. But here is what we need to do. We need to look at the words of Jesus. We need to think about them. We need to pray about them. We need to talk to other solid believers that are bearing good fruit in their life. 
and we need to wrestle this stuff through and land on that narrow road where we're going to come with healthy conclusions that are actually biblical and lead to good fruit in our life and good fruit in other people's lives. That's what we need to do. Now, here's the deal. The way that we're going to do that is not by watching a bunch of YouTube videos. That's not how we're going to get to the narrow road. <laughs> okay. Uh, the way we get there is not by isolating ourselves and cutting ourselves off from the church because the church just can't get it right. Okay, the only way we come to a, uh, well, the only way that we come to those conclusions that are not right is, one, if we don't spend long hours in God's word and God's presence, and I'm adding both on purpose because we want to read the word of God in the context of relationship with God. We want to read the Bible and then talk to the one who wrote the Bible. Because when we do that, we're gaining more of his heart, his understanding, and we won't come out of long hours of memorizing scripture and be hard-hearted like the Pharisees. We will come out broken and moved with compassion like Jesus was. Yet he was the word of God in flesh. You know what I'm saying? So we want to do both. And then the other, other way you'd come to some of these false conclusions is if you isolate yourself or detach yourself from the church. And that's when we come up with kind of these false conclusions. So what we want to do is we want to look at the real words of Jesus. And we want to see what does he have to say. Let's process them together. And, um, and I think we're going to come to some good conclusions. All right. So you guys in Matthew chapter 24. Okay. I believe, let me just say this. <laughs> I believe that this is like a holy, sovereign moment from God. I don't think any of you are in here on accident. And there's so many new faces and parents in town. And I just knew what I was going to preach. And I just think this is perfect <laughs> because this has the potential to be a hard message to hear. But I want the church ready for the Lord. If he's coming, like he said so many times that he's coming again, it's literally our most blessed promise throughout scripture. I mean, forgiveness of sins is up there, but also the Lord Jesus returning to the earth again. It's glorious. It's amazing. I don't know about you. I'm getting ahead of myself in my notes, but I don't know about you. If you've ever, like, read the Gospels and, like, wondered, oh, my God, or imagined, what if I was there, like, in person with Jesus, hearing his teaching? What if he, like, look at, looked at me and said something? That glorious reality of Jesus in person is coming again for his believers, his followers. It's so glorious. And I just believe that this is not an accident and let me, I'm, I don't usually do, I don't think I've ever done this, but uh, I brought my journal up here and I was spending time with God this morning and here's what I wrote in light of what I knew I was going to be preaching. And this maybe will help you know kind of my heart of what we're really going for. I said at whatever, six or five something in the morning, oh God, I slash we need you this morning at church. Come and fall on us. Come and meet with us. Lord, do something that is so holy and not man-made or man-done. Jesus, you are the truth, and you really are what life is all about. Or, Lord, is life just about our jobs and our recreation and our academic success and our high-paying jobs and our social acceptance? Are you really coming back? Is there really going to be a new heavens and a new earth? Are you really going to rid the world of sin and injustice? Are you really going to judge the world? Are these uh, things that we do for ourselves, are they just going to be burnt up? Is the world really going to be at war? Is, are Christians really going to be hated and persecuted? Are any of your teachings true, Jesus? Or are they all made up 
so that the religious fanatics would take them too seriously and disrupt the status quo of comfortable and easy living in America. And I just stopped my journal entry there with a question mark. <laughs> and there is something inside of your heart that wants to live for something that is eternal. There is something inside of your heart, even if you're in this room and you do not follow Jesus, okay, there is something inside of your heart. You were made and created by God to live for something that is more than temporary. And I believe the Lord wants to just, just reach into our hearts and pull that out because when we lock into something that is eternal, you, are, you come alive. You have purpose. You have meaning. You have destiny. And, and it helps you make decisions while you're on this earth that will actually benefit you in eternity. And I, that is kind of a summary of what I believe I was trying to pray this morning is, Lord, dig deep in us so that we really take you at your word and we really believe you, Jesus. He is the gracious Savior of our sins, praise God, but he's also the Lord who teaches things. And if you look at some of the teachings of Jesus like we're about to look at, you're going to have to wrestle with, is this true or is it not? Because I think most of us, if we're honest, one of the conclusions was, I hope Jesus is wrong. <laughs> but when we submit to him, we're going to find life. We're going to find life in his teachings. All right, you're in Matthew 24. You've been there for an hour. Here we go. I'm actually going to read it. <laughs> Matthew 24. You ready? Verse 1. It'll be on the screen. We're going to do verse 1 through 14. <clears throat> it says, Jesus left the temple and was going away when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. But he answered them, you see all these, do you not? Truly, I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Now, let me just pause there for a second. What I want you to realize, kind of what I want all of us to do is put yourself in the shoes of those disciples. Okay, because I don't think any of you guys have ever lived in Jerusalem. Right? All right. Have you anybody been there? A few of you have, I think. Okay, a few people have been there. <clears throat> These guys, in about 30, 33 A.D., were literally right next to this glorious temple that took decades to build and a lot of money, and it was beautiful. And they're saying, Jesus, I mean, it's just kind of like, I don't know what they were thinking, but they were hoping maybe just for a, like, yeah, you're right, Peter, that is beautiful. <laughs> you know, but that's not, not how the Lord responds sometimes. Peter's like, look at this, it's amazing. And Jesus just kind of calmly says, hey, actually, that thing is actually going to be whole entirely torn down and in 70 AD Jesus prophecy was fulfilled just 35 40 years later and I just want you to like think about the magnitude of that it's it's easy for us to like see that as so distant but that is very dramatic it's very dramatic it would be the equivalent maybe for some of us in America to say hey you know the White House up there it's going to be destroyed that would shake many of us if someone were to say that or if Jesus were to say that, okay, and I'm not saying that, <laughs> I'm just helping you understand, like, this really hit home for people, and it really happened. Okay, let's keep going with this lovely, nice, easy teaching on this amazing, cold October morning. Here we go. Verse 3, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and at the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, 
For this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of birth pains. Verse 9 kind of turns his attention to followers of Jesus. What he just said above is kind of what's going to be happening around the world. There's a couple um, kind of Jewish phrases in there that we kind of miss in the English. Verse 7, nation rising against nation, kingdom against kingdom. It's like this phrase of hey, the world's going to be at war with each other. There's going to be a lot of fighting going on. Verse 9 it says, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my namesake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. And then the end will come. Let's all say that last phrase together. Ready? Go. And then the end will come. Okay, I'm going to pause there, and we're going to kind of talk about this a little bit. And what I want to do is I want to just show you, it'll be a slide up here. What I did is I pulled out all these things that Jesus said would come in the context of the question his disciples asked, which is, hey, what's the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And here's a list of the things. If you weren't already encouraged, I'm going to put them up there again. <laughs> here's a list of things that Jesus said would happen leading up to the end of the age and his coming, all right? You see a bunch of things up there in different translations. There's different phrasing for some of this stuff. But, um, you know, people being led astray, false teachers, prophets, war, famines, pestilence, disease, followers of Jesus being hated and killed, hatred increasing in the earth, love of many grown cold. All right, long, lovely list. Anybody encouraged yet? No, all right. I was thinking about this list in Matthew 24, and I just started pondering and processing, okay, what's been going on in the world lately? And how many of these things are coming to pass? How many things are like actual realities here? And I, I checked off some of the ones that I think applied to us. You show that next slide. Oh, my. Look at that. Every single one of them. <laughs> the more you process it, the more you think about it, the more you realize, oh, my goodness, every single one of these things has happened in the world. Now, it's not just our generation. There's things that have been escalating, but I would comment on this. There's never been a time in history where on a global scale, so many of these things have been happening throughout the earth at the same time. Okay, and what that should do is, you'll, we'll listen to Jesus and see what he says to respond to this, is not to scare us, but it's to awaken us. It's to, and the Bible instructs us so many times to be sober-minded, to be aware, to be alert, you know, and so if this is true, and you can double-check me, do a little fact-check, look at all this stuff, Google search, whatever you want, and see if any of those things are happening in the world today, and just relook at Matthew 24 and see if, okay, is this, is this in line here? But the reality is, the answer is yes, and we want to be a people that are aware of what's going on. This is not a time in the earth, this is not a generation where it's time to um, doze off to sleep. It's not a time to be lazy in our spirits. It's not a time to be unalert. It's a time to be sober-minded, to be focused, to be aware of what's going on, especially in light of what Jesus said. But here's the deal. This is where things are going to turn a little bit better, hopefully. It is easy to get overwhelmed by this, but 
here's the deal. We need to remember two things. One, we need to remember where this whole thing is going. And then two, we need to remember or look at and take seriously the things that Jesus told us to do in the midst of the world looking like this. Okay? And here's the great news. You ready? Number one, this is we need to remember where this is going. You know where this whole thing is going? If you flip, maybe in my Bible, flip one page over to verse 29 through uh, 31. Here's where this whole thing is going. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. Then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. So even though that's another intense verse, here's the great news about it. Through the trials and tribulation and hardship the world's experiencing, it's going to the Lord Jesus returning, coming again, splitting the sky. It says in power and great glory, he's going to come and every eye will see him. Now, if you are a follower of Jesus, this is amazing, incredible news that he will be faithful to his word and he will come again. And, you know, he, he gives us... Um, kind of analogy a little bit later in the book of John about, okay, why we can endure the hard is because of what's coming on the other end. And here's something he told his disciples in John 16, and all you moms will love this. It says, when a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come, but when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. And your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. This is amazing. This is something he told his disciples right before he died on the cross. And they, they, they were sorrowful for a couple days. They didn't see him, and then boom, he rose from the grave, and they were filled with joy. Their hearts rejoiced. This is Jesus talking about, hey, I'm going to die, but I'm going to resurrect. How much more, though, this same truth applies to the church who's been here for 2,000 years, but we have not seen Jesus in person yet, how much more when he faithfully follows through with his promise and we all finally realize he's not a liar and he comes, how much will our heart rejoice? Mine big time. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to that day. It's so glorious that Jesus will be back in person one day. Titus 2 calls his return our blessed hope. 2 Timothy 4 says there's a reward in heaven for those that long for his coming, long for his appearing. And 1 Peter 1.13 says, <laughs> instructs believers to set our hope fully on the coming of the Lord, on the grace that will be brought to us the revelation of Jesus Christ. Set our hope fully. Everybody said the word fully. fully. Set our hope fully. All right, so here's the deal, though. This is hard. <laughs> okay, and I've been, here's my struggle, all right? To set my hope fully on this means like, I'm not putting my hope in other things. But this is honestly hard for me. What I've realized is in my heart is a longing, a deep desire for comfort and for ease. Anybody else like comfortable things? Okay. No, just me. All right. Just kidding. You guys said yes. Longing for comfort. And, you know, I know why. You know, this stage of my life, I've got four young kids. I'm busy. There's a lot of people. There's health issues. There's stress. There's lack of sleep. All these things have led me to pray really profound prayers such as this. God, please give me a break. 
just one little break. Please help me. Gosh, let me sleep all the way through the night. You know how many? T- you know the last time I got eight hours of sleep? Last night. Just kidding. Not last night. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, yeah, that's what it's led me to do. And uh, so, one, if you feel that way sometimes, too, you're not alone. All right. I'm with you. But also, I want to share this. As I've brought that to the Lord, he is helping me. And he is, he's actually affirming that that desire, that longing for peace, ease, comfort, for the stresses of life to forever end is actually from God. It's actually from him. However, it is easy to misplace when that will be fulfilled. And if we think that that longing will be fulfilled fully in this life, we will be disappointed. That longing inside of you, talks about this in 2 Corinthians 5, I believe, is literally like there's groanings inside of us that just say, I want want an easy, peaceful, carefree life where every tear is wiped away and there's no more pain. Does that phrase sound familiar to anybody? There is coming that day. But that's coming when the Lord returns and establishes a new heavens and a new earth. And so what the Lord's helping me with is he's, he's, he's letting me bring that to him and be honest but he's helping me direct my hope for that to be fulfilled fully in the next life, the age to come, so the Bible calls it. Now, if you do get pockets and moments of ease and comfort, rejoice <laughs> if you get some in this life, all right? Okay, please, just rejoice for me on my behalf. If you have like an eight-hour uh, night of sleep, just rejoice and wake up and pray for Mitchell. All right. <laughs> so again, we need to remember first, as we look at this intense list in Matthew 24, we need to remember where all this is going and set our hope on that because it is a glorious reality for the people of God. But also, in the midst of Matthew 24, we need to look at what did he direct us to do? What did he, where did he say, put your focus here? Okay, there's four directives that we're going to see in Matthew chapter 4. There's four things that he directed the people of God to do in the midst of all this worldwide shaking. Okay, I'm going to break those down for you guys in just a second here. So, and, and again, they'll be on the screen. You can take pictures of these. You can write these down. Try to make it easy for you. But here you go, four directives from Matthew chapter 24. Number one, he says in verse 4, do not be led astray. Everybody say, do not be led astray. Okay, some of your translations it says, do not be deceived, right? Some of y'all says that? Okay, both are great. Uh, I do prefer this phrase, led astray, because the word deception or being deceived kind of maybe feels super strong and abrupt and black and white. But this phrase being led astray starts small. It's like, let's say I, I want to walk from me to Jonathan back there in the sound booth. If I start walking just a few degrees off, I'm not going to get to him. You understand? And the very first instruction, and he says it actually multiple times, that Jesus says in the midst of all this stuff and trial and hardship is do not be led astray. And I think one of the reasons why this is number one is because when things are crazy in the earth, people get crazy. <laughs> Let me say that again. That was profound. When things are crazy, people get crazy. And they start to come up with conclusions of do this and do that or, hey, say this or go this way or, you know what, focus on this or do that. But Jesus is saying, hold on, do not be led astray. Focus in on what I said and what my truth is. And I want to make a a quick point here that I think could be helpful for all of us as we're seeing plenty of different directions to go. You guys know there's like there's millions of voices that you have access to in your pocket. 
There are so many different people saying a different variety of things, and it's in your pocket or your hand or you're looking at it right now. Anyway, uh, in the, I, want, I want us to realize there's this, what that means to me is we need to take this seriously of not being led astray and you need to be aware of what are you listening to, who are you listening to, and how much weight are you giving this person or that person or this thing or that thing. And evaluate it. And if you don't know, should I be listening to this or that? Ask a trusted friend that you know loves you and cares about you. Ask people that you admire the fruit of their life. Ask them, is this a good voice to be listening to or no? And I want to make this particular point so I think this will be helpful. It's important to know what did God's word say about who God has entrusted with the truth? Okay, we, some of us know this, that the word of God is truth. Some of us know the phrase or the scripture in John 14, 6, that Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So Jesus is the truth. His word is truth. But there's another verse in 1 Timothy 3, 15 that I want you to see the word truth is used here, and I think it's important, especially in our day. He says, uh, Paul's telling Timothy, hey, if I'm delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God. And here's the description of the church of the living God according to Paul to Timothy. It's the pillar and foundation of the truth. What is? The church of the living God is the pillar and the foundation of the truth. It didn't say that the university is the pillar and foundation of truth. It didn't say culture. didn't say popular opinion. It definitely didn't say the YouTube ministry guy. <laughs> he says the church, those that are submitted to the word of God, submitted to one another, have a lifestyle of fruitful living. These are the ones that God has entrusted with the truth. Those that have, are open to receiving feedback, they're accountable to authority, they have sound doctrine that's tested. That's who God has entrusted truth to, according to Scripture. So here, why am I saying this? Is because, I mean, as a pastor, I hear it more, but I kind of heard it a little bit before I was a pastor, but there's just so much flack and criticism against the church and you need to be careful because that's you, one, if you're a follower of Jesus. We are the church. But two, God has chosen to entrust his church with the truth, to hold it delicately and fearfully. It is one of my main priorities and, and responsibilities from God is to present to you truth that you can take before God, share with one another. There's anything that you're like, I'm not quite sure that's from God, then let's have a conversation because I want to know if there's something I believe in that's not truth. But we as the church are submitted to the Lord and submitted to good doctrine, and you're not going to find truth if you try to find it outside by yourself, reading books and watching YouTube guys by yourself. That's not how it's going to happen. You're going you're gonna to be led astray. That's what's going to happen. So my encouragement to all of you guys is to stay connected to the church. Number two thing that Jesus says, the kind of a directive from Matthew 24, in verse 6, he says this phrase, don't be alarmed. Don't be alarmed. Now, <laughs> hold on, I kind of laugh at this. Because the reality is, that seemingly is the only logical response if I'm reading the things that I think I'm reading, is what? <laughs> Freak out. Are you serious? This stuff's going to happen? No way. Okay, you might, some of you might, you know, there's different lines in Matthew 24 that might get you. You know, there's like this, in a sense, the first uh, eight verses talking about war and the world fighting against each other. That might produce a fear in you. But the other part, verse 9 through 
uh, 12 about persecution against believers and followers of Jesus, that might make you feel alarmed. You know, there's different things that might get you. But Jesus says, don't be alarmed. Thanks, Jesus. <laughs> Here's a thought or two on this. I think that one of the reasons he said that is because he knew that the natural human response of our heart when we hear news that things might not be as easy and amazing as we'd like them to be is that we fear. And as I process this, I realize that the best thing to do when we feel afraid is to bring it to God. And I think even this phrase itself, don't be alarmed, like there's no, I don't know if there's any way that you can not stay in fear or stay in alarm unless you come to God and tell him that you feel afraid. When I've read this and I've heard different things uh, from different leaders and trusted people in the body of Christ, I have had fear that's come up in my heart. And thankfully, one of the first things I'm learning to do is to go into God's presence and say, God, I feel afraid about this. Why? God, why? What am I afraid of? And those conversations with God are so helpful because he helps you understand what's going on in there. I don't always understand myself. I don't always understand my responses, but God knows. And when we bring our fears to him, he will help us land in a place of trusting him. So I want to encourage you, if you feel afraid, if any of that stuff is true, if the world breaks out in war in a few years or whatever might happen, if there's something that makes you feel afraid, go to God, bring your fear to him, and you will find more peace and more trust if you keep coming to him. Amen. All right, number three, third thing, directive he gives us is, in verse 13, it says, endure till the end. Everybody say the word endurance. endurance. Say it louder. Say endurance. endurance. <laughs> All right. Now, when we think of things that are, like, impressive to us, most of the time we don't think of people that really endured. We think of the, the guy that made the last-second shot. We think about the crazy catch of football. We think about this wow song that someone put out. You know, we think about things that are impressive. But you know what's really impressive? Someone that has done the same faithful acts for decades and didn't quit. They didn't get bored with faithfulness. They didn't get bored with doing the simple things. That's impressive. Because we live in a culture and a generation that people just, and then boom, you know, just kind of do something impressive and then we don't hear from them again. But the Lord is looking for those that will endure. And I just love that phrase. It says, those that endure to the end will be saved. Now, let me, let me, let me poke on some boxes for a second. And some of you will not like this, but it's okay. Talk to me later. <laughs> Endurance is the thing that's primarily emphasized to believers in the New Testament, not once saved, always saved. Oh, there it is. I hit it. Okay. The reason I want to say that is because I want to shock some of you because you know you, you love that verse. It's not a verse. It's not a verse. You love that doctrine, and I would say I don't fully disagree with that doctrine, but what I want to present to you guys is that the emphasis throughout the New Testament, and especially right here in the life of Jesus, is endurance. The emphasis, I mean, there's plenty of scriptures that talk about, hey, if you believe in your heart that Jesus was raised from the dead, you confess through the mouth, he's Lord, you will be saved. Awesome, we know that. John 3, 16, if you believe in him, you have eternal life. We know that all these verses that no one can snatch us from the Lord's hand. Great. We've got, you know, five, six, seven, eight. Maybe you, maybe you can get ten verses that can help you come to that conclusion where you would say that phrase, once saved, always saved. 
However, there's many, 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 many more verses in the New Testament that emphasize enduring to the end. And so sometimes to make us feel better about our eternal destiny, we come up with cliche phrases that make us feel a little more comfortable that if I just pray a prayer and get baptized, then I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. Now, you should pray prayers and you should be baptized. Sounds great. But you should really make sure you endure to the end. All right. Gotcha there. Talk to me later. Talk to me later. Now, does Mitchell doesn't believe in salvation? <laughs> no, I do. I really do. I was, I was once saved, and I'm really saved. <laughs> and so, but I just, the emphasis is endurance. All right? Okay. Last one, number four, fourth directive that we see here, and then we'll come to a close. In the midst of all this craziness, here is the last directive, and it is literally the first half of the verse that I'm using for this series title, and it's this. The gospel will be proclaimed. Let's read Matthew 24, 14. It says, this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. I love how in Mark's gospel, chapter 13, is a really similar chapter to Matthew 24, Mark 13, the way he says it is this gospel must be preached to the whole world. Everybody say must. Okay, let's let it settle for a second. The gospel will be preached. The gospel must be preached. No matter what's going on in the world, the gospel will be and must be preached. Where? It says to throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. That means every single people group on the planet, which some would say there's about 12 thousand-ish people groups on the planet, Jesus prophesied and said, here's what's going to happen. World's going to be chaotic, but the gospel must be preached. By who? By Kelly. She, if you don't know Kelly, we're sending her out as one of our first full-time missionaries in the next few months. And this verse conveniently only applies to Kelly. Man, praise God. <laughs> so convenient. <laughs> okay. By who? It's by the people of God. It's by believers. It's by followers of Jesus. Who is going to preach this gospel? It's his people, his followers, us. If you are a follower of Jesus, but not all of you guys are in this room, and I'm so glad you're here, but hopefully you're getting a taste of what is following Jesus even mean and look like if you're in this room. It's, it's people that endure to the end. It's people that don't freak out and get alarmed. It's people that are faithful to the truth and don't bug out on different teachings, but it's also those that are not afraid of what on earth is going on in the earth, and they're still going to preach the gospel. They're still going to focus on the mission that Jesus has given us, and we're not going to back down because the world looks a little crazy. We're going to preach the gospel. We must be a people that go, and here is the biblical call when I first heard what I'm about to say, I was offended. So you're with me if this offends you. The call to every single believer is to preach the gospel in, in all the nations, not just where you are. Now, is it possible for all of us to literally go to every single nation before you die? Possible? Yes. Okay. But likely, no. But the call on the church, on the people of God, 
on the people of God is to go into all the nations. You need to be faithful where you are right now. You live in America. Praise the Lord. And there are people around you that don't know Jesus and need to hear this gospel. So please be faithful. But Jesus did not say only preach the gospel to just the nation you live in. He says, preach the gospel to the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. Matthew 28, he says, make disciples of all the nations. We must be a people that go. And honestly, and maybe even bluntly, I would say it this way, we are missing it if life and Christianity in the U.S. is the only thing we ever experience. We are missing it if it's the only thing we ever experience. Now, I don't think everyone in this room is going to be called to be a missionary like Kelly. I honestly don't think that. But I would say all of us are called to participate, to engage in the spreading of the gospel throughout the whole world in some way. Okay? And all of you that say, okay, whew, I, can, I can pray. He also says go. <laughs> Please pray. But he also said go. <laughs> all right? Listen, this is what so offended me. This, the, the idea, let me hear a couple other things that kind of came up in my heart when I was hearing this and thought about it. Um, this kind of phrase, well, you know, I'm not called to the nations. Okay, well, actually, I would say you are because the Great Commission applies to you and not just Kelly. But if you're saying that, hey, God is not telling me right now to move overseas, then great, I can get, I get 100%, 110% behind that because I'm pretty sure that's probably true for most of you right now, except Kelly. But I just want you to be careful with how you phrase this, because we can build up how our defenses to not engage with the Great Commission around the world. And I want us to break those down and just to be willing. Say, Lord, if, you want, if you're telling me, stay here forever and never go on a mission trip ever in my life, never pray for the nations, okay, then I'll do that. I, I, it seems unlikely as I see Scripture that he's going to really tell you that, but hey, let's be a people that listen to God, no matter what he says, we will obey. Our lives as disciples, I would submit to us, must be connected to his mission. And if this is totally out there for you, it's okay. You can start at whatever starting point, okay? You know, you can start anywhere. The Lord will help us. When I heard this, I was offended, and I said, <laughs> you know, like, I don't like that teaching because it's against what I thought, you know? The more I studied it, and it solved my heart, and the first time I went on an overseas trip because my now wife tagged me along, and I love her, <laughs> I'm so glad because I was missing out on a fuller picture of the expression of following Jesus because I only knew a narrow American view of Christianity. And the Lord wants to broaden all of our views. All right. Here's how I'm going to close it up. Ben, you go ahead and come on up. I want to close it out with a few practical things and some encouragements that, you know what, there are people in this church that are really taking this seriously and are walking this out, okay? In the midst of worldwide shaking and wars, there are people in this room from Northwest Arkansas that went either to the border of Ukraine or inside Ukraine to go minister to people's needs and share the gospel. You know what's crazy? They came back alive. But I also, I I will even say this, if they didn't, their yes was still worth it. Like, we are, we're all going to die one day anyways. We're going to die. <laughs> Yay. <You> know, <laughs> that's not exciting news, but it is reality. And 
self-preservation until we get there cannot be the answer. Self-protecting because the world is scary and dangerous out there cannot be the answer for the people of God. And this, this message is an invitation to say, will anybody take his word seriously? Will we be a people that go and preach the gospel no matter what on earth is happening in the world? No matter if persecution increases in the United States and we get hated even more. No matter if more wars break out, are we going to live by self-preservation until we die? Or are we going to give our lives for Jesus who gave his life for us? It, and this is hard to swallow, but my prayer is that in this room there would be people that say, Yes, Lord, I'm willing. Whatever it looks like. It doesn't mean that you have to do the most crazy thing and go in the middle of Russia and try to share the gospel with Putin and hopefully get saved. I, I don't know. Maybe, but I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, God, whatever you may ask, I'm willing. Whatever you may say, my answer is yes, even if it's difficult and even if it's hard. I want there to be a people in this room that say yes. And here's how it starts. <laughs> <laughs> it starts <laughs> with <laughs> Woo! Woo! <laughs> you good? All right. <laughs> amen, amen. It's it starts uh, with a yes. And here's three things of how we live this out. They'll be on the screen, but here's three things of how we live this out. I just want to end it by being real practical here. Is we, um, it starts with a simple willingness, or another way to say that is a simple yes. Now, there have been times where I have told the Lord yes, and it did not feel very passionate. It felt very weak. But a genuine yes, even if it's weak, is what counts. If you feel scared, you feel nervous, but you feel the Holy Spirit rising up in you right now and say, I don't know what the world's going to look like five years from now. I don't know what my life's going to look like. I don't know when you'll take me, Lord. I don't know. And I'm scared, but I say yes to you, Lord. I'm yours. That counts. It counts. It starts with a simple yes. Another thing that helps us embrace this and live this out is, uh, number two, uh, walking closely with people that have a yes in their spirit. And specifically, you'll see that little word underneath that point, and that is, you know, people in life group. That's why we emphasize this so much, because it is really hard to sustain a strong yes if you're not surrounded by people that are also saying yes to Jesus over and over again. <clears throat> and so it's almost... I almost want to phrase it differently. If you're brand new here, <laughs> welcome to Antioch. Hopefully you were at least entertained a little bit. Uh, but we really want you stirred. And I almost want to phrase it this way. You, you need to be in life group. You need to be in community. You need to be surrounded by people that are saying yes because it's hard for that fire in your heart to actually keep burning if it's the only little ember around you. All right? And then last little practical here is we, uh, third one is we need to get in environments that ignite that fresh yes or that fresh willingness in our hearts. There's two examples up there, world mandate coming up this weekend. Like, in a sense, you, you need to be there if you want that fresh fire, that yes, that willingness to be stoked again. When we avoid those environments for whatever reason, we like miss out on opportunities for the Lord to come and mark us and meet with us. And mission trips, you know, 
you don't need to go on every single mission we ever do, but I, you know, I'm going to probably develop this more clearly in the next few months, but like there's goals in a sense that we have as a church family, which is everybody that's a part of Antioch, like in the next couple years, all of us would go on a mission trip somewhere outside of the U.S. so we get in an environment that helps break down the paradigms that we have built and help us see a, a Christianity that is not just an American Christianity. It is a global move of God that he's doing. So to go on those when the Lord prompts you to do so. All right, here's how um, I want to close. I want to just share a story. It's super simple, but it's a time that I gave the Lord a yes. And it didn't look pretty, didn't feel pretty, but it literally, I get, really there's two stories I want to share. These yeses led to people pursuing Jesus and following him and wholeheartedly obeying him. One was uh, at a world mandate actually in 2016 and in 2017 when the Lord was dealing with me and putting it on my heart to plant a church. And I said, oh, that sounds hard because I loved where I was living and we were rooted there. We were close to family. I loved my job and it was going well. But in that, I said, Lord, yes. A few years later, we move here. And a few years later, here we are. <laughs> that yes turned into a room of people worshiping Jesus and at least have an opportunity now to say yes to him. There's a girl, uh, my wife actually used to disciple her for a little season. Um, and she was a college girl that said yes to go on a mission trip for a few weeks, a few months in the Middle East. And it was on one of her last days of being on this trip where she didn't see much amazing things, but she was just trying to be there, be present, pray, and minister to people. It was one of the last days that she was there, and she got in this cab with a Middle Eastern man, and she knew she was almost done. She was about to head back to the States. And she just was nervous, but she decided, you know what, I'm going to say something about Jesus to this guy. So she fumbles over her words and asks if this guy knows anything about Jesus, and, she, and you know, he... He was intrigued. He was interested. And so she gave her a little, give him a little bit of information about how he can get connected to some other believers. Turns out he, he left, and she, the next day or two, went back to America. Didn't know what on earth happened. <laughs> Turns out this guy took her advice, met up with someone, started reading the Bible, gave his life to Jesus, and started sharing his faith very seriously. <laughs> and over the next couple years, through that one guy, it literally has led to over 10,000 born-again, baptized believers in the Middle East. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? And this girl, I mean, this, this girl is not impressive. She wasn't just, oh my gosh, look at that amazing missionary girl. She just said, yes, I'm going to go for a little bit, give up some time, and maybe God will use my life to impact somebody else halfway across the world to come to know Jesus so that they can spend eternity with him and not apart from him. And the Lord used it. And so I guess my question to us is in moments where we have an opportunity to give the Lord a yes or a willingness, God, my life is yours. Whatever you ask of me, oh, Lord, I want to say yes. Like, who knows what the Lord will do with your yes? We don't know. But what we can do right now is start simply with, Lord, I give you my yes today. I'm yours. My life is yours, not mine. Amen? All right, let's stand to our feet. I'm going to go ahead and have some of our life group leaders and staff go ahead and come forward and make yourself available to pray for folks. We'd love to end our services just with an opportunity to respond to what God is doing in our hearts, to receive prayer from somebody.
if God is really stirring something in you, then we want to pray for you. This is an awesome like, step of faith and step of boldness to quickly act upon what God is doing inside of you. Instead of kind of waiting and hoping if something happens, we want to quickly respond to the Lord. And so there's two kind of responses. One is if you're feeling that stirring, you're like, oh my gosh, the world is crazy. I have a little bit of fear, but I want to give the Lord my yes. Then just come forward and say, hey, I'm saying yes to God no matter what he might do with my life, no matter where he might lead me, I give him a yes today. And then the second thing is if you're in this room, I want to just present the gospel to you because I want to be faithful because the gospel must be preached. And if you're in this room and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, God loves you and he sees you, but it's very serious. The Bible says in John 3.16 that he loved the world and he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would have eternal life. The very next verse says that he did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. However, if we do not turn to him, if we reject his, his gift of salvation, then condemnation still is on us and we will be judged for our sin. And the Lord wants to wash you clean with his blood, but you must come to him in faith and saying, here I am, Lord. I need your forgiveness. I need your washing. I need your cleansing. And if you've never given your life over to Jesus, you never had that moment of repentance, then let today be your moment. If you hear his voice, do not harden your heart against him. And if that's you, you need to give your life over to the Lord. Maybe you've played church for a long time, but you know that your relationship with him is not serious. Then just come forward, receive prayer from somebody. They'd love to pray for you and minister to you. So let me pray for us, and if any of those things apply to you, those two things, go ahead and just start coming forward. Uh, if not, then you can just worship where you are. We're going to give the Lord a yes this morning. So God, here we are. Thank you for what you're doing. Just come forward if you want some prayer this morning. Lord, we just present our heart before you. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you're doing in the earth today. And Lord, we give you a yes. We give you a willingness in our hearts to follow you and endure to the end, no matter where you might lead us. God, I thank you. You'll never lead us a place where you won't also be there. You will guide us. You will help us. God, you will protect us. You will comfort us. Lord, you will be there. But Lord, I ask that this morning we would give you a yes. In Jesus' name, amen.